0: the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team welcome to guardians weekly on the cleveland guardians radio network
1: guardians weekly is brought to you by progressive helping guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance
2: Everyone, Welcome to Guardians Weekly, Jim Rosenhouse along with you from downtown Cleveland and Progressive Field where unfortunately, once again, there will be no baseball on this Saturday night due to inclement weather as the Guardians and the Tigers were postponed due to rain earlier on Saturday for a game that was scheduled to be played at 6:10. is the sixth postponement due to weather at home for the Guardians and they also had the game postponed in Chicago on the last road trip due to a COVID outbreak, so it has been a, a real challenge just to get games in this season for Cleveland, and it happened again on Saturday. But as we take a look back at the week gone by, we can tell you that coming up on our show today, we will hear from Rob Cerfolio, the Director of Player Development for the Cleveland Guardians. He'll have a farm report focusing in on single-A Lynchburg this week. We'll hear from Eli Morgan, who has had a good start to his season And John McDonald, the former Guardians infielder, will stop by. He's been in town the last week or so with Sandy Alomar laid up with a COVID uh, case, and uh, Johnny Mack's been filling in as the first base coach. Normally, he is the field coordinator in the minor league system for the Guardians and does a great job there and has a chance this week, this past week anyway, to help out on the major league level, and we'll hear from him. In just a little bit. And to wrap up our show, we'll have a special guest to go off topic a little bit and talk music with uh, legendary rock and roller George Thorogood. So uh, a variety show today on Guardians Weekly. Hope you can stay with us throughout for the next hour talking baseball and music as well. But first, a quick look at the week gone by. And it's been one of those weeks weather-wise. There was an off day on Monday. Then the Guardians took on the Reds Tuesday and dropped a 5-4-10 inning contest Tuesday night. Then Wednesday, more wet weather, a postponement there. They made it up on Thursday. The Reds won that one as well. And then on Friday night, big night for the Guardians as they beat the Tigers 6-1 to in front of a big crowd. The game was scoreless heading into the sixth inning. That's when Jose Ramirez with the Guardians in front one nothing, came to the plate with a couple of men on. It's been
1: a long time since he's batted with people on base, or so it seems. The pitch. And he drives one to deep right down the line. Goal Jose Ramirez with a two iron down the right field line a three run homer and Cleveland has a four run rally all off Jacob Barnes after Tarek Skubal had to leave this game with a shot off his shin and Cleveland jumping all over Barnes with four straight hits. Jose Ramirez with his ninth home run giving him now a league leading 37 RBIs.
2: So that four run sixth inning powered the Guardians to a six to one win over the Tigers on Friday night. First win of the season, actually second win of the season, but first win in a while and easily the best performance of the season by starting pitcher Aaron Savali, who worked six in the third innings and allowed just one unearned run. Well, one of the keys to the strong start for the Guardians as they battle to stay around that 500 mark has been the work of the bullpen and, and maybe a surprise arm out there based on the fact that he was a starting pitcher a year ago in his rookie major league season has been the work of Eli Morgan. As Morgan has been extremely reliable in short spurts out of the bullpen, we had a chance to visit with him earlier in the week, and he talked about some of the keys to his strong start this season.
3: Uh, just focusing on each pitch. You know, Out of the bullpen, you're expected to throw less pitches, so worrying about getting through the order two or three times isn't a big priority. Um, you know, It's usually later in the game, so the catcher's seen the hitter a bit um, so it's easier to kind of come out there and just trust what the catcher's putting down rather than sort of formulating your own game plan and having to stick to that. Um, and it's nice just you know, having a chance to be in there every day so you come to the ballpark ready to play, whereas you know, starting you just have your day once every five days. And you mentioned that side of it. Uh, is that something
2: you kind of expected once you realized that this might be your role, or has that kind of built up as you've gone along where you've been able to say, you know what, this is kind of fun out here?
3: yeah I mean I, I like it you know we, we get to go down there and um you know as a bullpen we've built our identity we have a we have a blast down there just joking around with each other but it's also very serious when that phone call comes and it's your turn to get in the game. It seems like maybe your stuff is ticked up I don't know maybe it's the same
2: but do you feel like you, your stuff is ticked up a little bit because of the, the short spurts?
3: I think so uh you know the fastball velo is a little better um yeah I think that's Probably just a direct result of throwing less pitches each outing. You know, I'm, I'm able to step on the gas a bit more. Um, yeah, I like the way the stuff's coming out of my hand right now. Eli Morgan joining us,
2: doing some real nice work out of the bullpen. And Eli, so much of a, a good season is the preparation that you do in, in the wintertime, the off season. This year was a little bit different, but it sounded like you were able to get yourself in some good spots to get some good work done. And explain to us what you were doing in the offseason to get ready for spring training in an unusual situation
3: yeah uh, so by by the time that spring training was supposed to have started I was built up to 40 pitches ready to face batters you know ready to throw two to three innings and um, I just sort of stayed there until we did finally get that call to come to spring training and that that sort of translated well because a few of my outings have been kind of around that 40 pitch mark so I feel really built up to that point and um, it's worked out nice and
2: a lot of Players, pitchers, they work out with other teammates or, or friends in the game.
3: Uh, how about you? Who do you lean on to, to, to kind of keep you going? Or, or was a lot of it solo? Uh, you know, just collaborating with whoever I'm around with. You know, I, I had the pleasure of working with a lot of major leaguers this offseason. Um, you know, my throwing partner was Joe Ryan. He's having a lot of success with the Twins right now. Uh, played some catch with Hunter Green, who's having good success in his first year with the Reds. Um, and it's just always nice to surround yourself with talent like that. And, you know, those guys are incredibly talented and try to learn a thing for two from them when I uh, got to work out with them. So much of this game is feeling like you belong. And this time a
2: year ago, you were still trying to make your way You're right around that time where the, the major league debut came. Uh, how different is your mindset this time a year later with your role on this team and what you've been through as a starter last year uh, as opposed to a year ago and you were still trying to, to
3: get up here and, and make it happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, having having some time up here certainly changes it a bit, but um, I like to think that it's still similar, just trying to make the most of who I am as a pitcher um, and focusing on the day-to-day work rather than the, the big picture. And when you look at being a pitcher in this organization, uh, what are the resources that, that they have that really help you from day to day? I mean, it, it's unlimited, but I think what makes this pitching group special is just the small conversations we have, just in passing, walking out to the stretch line, um, between innings in the bullpen, it's just the small conversations that really add up over time. Uh, it's it's a very knowledgeable group of guys, and we have every resource at our fingertips, but nothing's really nothing's really thrown too heavily at us. It's more of a you know, pick what you need and collaborate with the guys around you. Um, and it's also very laid back, which which helps. All right, like good stuff. Thanks for coming back. Thanks, Rose. That's pitcher Eli
2: Morgan talking about uh, a real good start to his season and uh, why he enjoys that bullpen role, at least so far this year, with the Guardians. Stay with us. We'll have more to come as we continue with Guardians Weekly after this time out on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network.
4: Progressive knows that most people don't get to experience making a game-winning touchdown or a walk-off home run, so we're going to talk to you like you did something great so you can bask in the glory.
3: Oh, man, I was there. That time that you bundled your home, auto, motorcycle, and other vehicles with Progressive? That was awesome. People were freaking out. I bet you get this all the time, but can I get an autograph?
4: If you can't bask in sports glory, at least you can bask in the glory of saving money when you bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
6: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. It's Guardians Weekly. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Rob Serfolio is the Guardian's director of player development. He works with the farm system, oversees it. And this week we had a chance to visit with Rob and talk about the Lynchburg Ball Club. That's the the first rung on the full season ladder of minor league affiliates for uh, the Cleveland organization. And we talked to Rob about some of the challenges that some of those young players experience in their first full season of professional baseball.
6: Yeah, so youth, I think, is the first word that jumps out, and that's a theme globally for us, even from the major leagues down. Lynchburg being on the front end of that for us, one of the youngest just overall groups in their entire league, especially on the position player side. To your point, it's these guys' taste, especially coming out of the COVID year where we lost time, um, a lot of these guys are getting their first real pass at affiliate baseball, which means... Living by themselves or with a roommate for the first time, not having the ease of our setup in Arizona where we have apartment street, world class facilities, they have to adapt and it's been pretty cool to see such a young group. A lot of them get off to a great start despite having to navigate some of those challenges both on the field and off the field for the first time. So exciting young group that I think a lot of names in here. Guardians fans are going to get accustomed to seeing over and over here in the next couple of years. Well, let's get right to some of those names. We'll start on the position player
2: side. We saw this guy a little bit in spring training, filling out games at the end, Jake Fox. Mm -hmm. Usually a, a young player who's highly regarded has a spot to play, but it sounds
6: like he's moving around a bunch. It was cool to get Jake, who was a draft pick from last year, into some major league spring training games, which is a little bit atypical for for how we do it, but I think is a cool nod to just how Jake goes about his work and his maturity, especially as a baseball player. His dad is a former professional player as well, outfielder. Um, so Jake came to us like pretty far ahead of, of where we see a, a typical high school draft pick, and that stood out from some of the reviews we heard from our staff in Arizona last year. And he carried through on that and even had Tito and some of the group in spring training, like pretty impressed with just some of the things he can do on field and the way that he runs the bases. He's gotten off to a great start so far for us in Lynchburg, despite having to navigate some of those challenges we talked about of first year, really on your own at an affiliate. And, and he's done a great job bouncing around. We've had him in the infield to your point. He's asked to play outfield and we we're able to get our, our outfield coordinator in there JT McGuire who's been working with the the staff on the ground every day to, to really get him some exposure in center field and try and let his athleticism play up at at multiple positions and give him a lot of versatility moving forward. When
2: you look at, at numbers of really putting up nice offensive numbers another second generation kid mm-hmm. uh, with some Cleveland ties uh, another
6: Tolentino in the system uh, tell us about him. Yeah, so Milan, whose brother was with us, his dad also a former player as well, so some lineage here and some bloodlines. But Milan has absolutely torn apart the league so far out of the gate. I think he's hitting close to 400, and his power numbers have started to go up as the season goes on. And one of the things that stood out with him dating back to the draft and our scouting group just does an incredible job getting to know the players and what their strengths and weaknesses are is this is a guy that has made pretty like top end contact going back to when he was a high school player and we were able to kind of take that skill set work with Milan and again big big shout out and credit to him for you know being open to getting better and just looking for ways to improve and I think we've able we've been able to round out his skill set offensively to to not just be able to put the ball in play but put the ball in play at productive angles and with some impact when he does it so he's done a great job kind of hitting right in the middle of the lineup for that group and doing what he's done well since his days as an amateur and kind of building on his profile so he plays
2: a lot of shortstop and you have another shortstop there dion free and yeah. and
6: how are you managing that with, with two kids <laughs> that you want to see play that position yeah i think a lot of our fans have noticed that we have a lot of quality shortstops <laughs> top to bottom which which is a great a great thing to to have as an organization and we love our depth there but it, to your point it also does create some playing time challenges so with milan and Diane and even Foxy's been playing there a little bit as well, is trying to get those guys some time. We actually have an, another individual, Yordis Valdez, who's regarded as one of our best defensive shortstops in the organization. So really trying to, to make that puzzle work and and is is another young kid who Again, we don't expose a ton of our first-year guys to major league spring training environments, and I think kind of speaks to to Diane's maturity and just, like, overall skill set. Another guy that saw some time in spring training, and, and he's continued to do some of the things that he can do offensively really well. He's sitting in the top of that lineup, getting on base a lot, and playing really good defense up the middle.
2: Rob Serfolio joining us, the director of player development for the Guardians, and now we're talking single-A Lynchburg, the youngest level of uh, the minor league system for the Guardians at that full season level. And uh, talking pitching, you have a couple of relievers with ridiculous strikeout-to-walk ratios. And uh, we'll start with Davis Sharp and and Trey Benton, obviously different pitchers. But what are they doing that's really encouraging in in a relief role, which I know sometimes uh, you like to stretch guys out, but
6: uh, they're in a relief role so far. Both guys, righties that can really spin the baseball. And Sharp has had a really strong slider coming out of the draft and has been able to improve on that and add a little bit of depth to his pitch mix. And I think what's cool about these two guys is it is tougher when you're not starting to get consistent innings. And we've been able to get these guys multiple times per week and credit to the things that they're doing in between outings to be able to not just go out there and perform, but they're pitching multiple innings each time out, which adds to some of the versatility and relief profiles that we have and and Trey, similar to, to Davis can, can really spin the ball and you know one thing we worked on a lot with him over the last year was just command and strike throwing and to his credit, he, he worked a lot out in Arizona when, and we're really seeing some of the fruits of the, the labor from, from what those guys did and they're both attacking the zone and, and letting their really like above average secondary and fastballs uh, attack hitters and play. and I think we're seeing that from a results standpoint.
2: And to kind of bring a full circle from where we started about the the youth and inexperience, you have Omir Santos as the manager there. Uh, He was in the Dominican Republic in the organization a year ago. What made him a a really good fit for this type of club?
6: Yeah, I could speak about Omir for for an hour. I wish he had more time for me. But he, a former player that was major leaguer, played in the upper-level minors. He actually was a bench coach for us in the upper-level minor leagues as well. So despite being you know, young in in his manager career. We thought that his experience as a player, his he's obviously bilingual. We have a lot of of emerging bilinguals on that team. Just thought that that his overall personality experience in the game, ability to speak two languages would would be a really nice fit for that group. And he's just done a tremendous job managing and and letting the rest of that staff, you know, we have a bunch of, of other new coaches. Daniel Robertson, former player for us, Craig Masoni, first year hitting coach at a full season level. So Omir's just done a tremendous job like letting those guys have ownership over their domains and um, it's been fun to go down there and visit with those guys and, and see them in action. Yeah, Daniel Robertson, no enthusiasm there, is there? Absolutely none. You know, he uh, <laughs> he would he's never at a loss for words in a good way, which the just the energy and consistency he brings to the field every day is, is really special and fun to watch. So we're lucky to have him.
2: enjoyed it when he was here for a little while as a player. Uh, Rob, thanks a lot for the visit. Always good to see you. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Always good to be joined by Rob Serfolio, the Director of Player Development for the Cleveland Guardians. Stay with us. We'll have more to come after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network.
6: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Swinging a slow roller to third. Charged by McDonald. Barehand grab and throw. Got him. Oh, what a play by Johnny Mack. Comebacker over the mound. McDonald to the Throw. Got him. Johnny Mack, what a play. First ball swinging. Christian Guzman bangs it up the middle. Johnny Mack makes a sliding stop. Gets up. Throws out Guzman. What a play by John McDonald. Going to his right. Made that sliding stop with a backhanded grab then sprung to his feet and got one of the speediest men in the game, Christian Guzman. Oh, what a play.
2: Jim Rosenhouse back with you on Guardians Weekly from downtown Cleveland and Progressive Field. It has been a battle this week for the coaching staff of the Cleveland Guardians, as uh, six members of that coaching staff at one point in time had to miss time due to COVID-positive tests as a result. Others within the organization were asked to fill in, including a very familiar name, John McDonald, longtime major league infielder who initially broke into the big leagues as a player with Cleveland and now has been a part of their minor league system for quite some time. He's the field coordinator in the minor league system right now, and he was asked to fill in as the first base coach with Sandy Alomar, one of those who tested positive for COVID. So Johnny Mac's been around for about a week or so and he talked to us about
7: getting the news that the Big Club needed him and uh, what followed thereafter. Yeah, on the road in, uh, with, our, with our team in Lake County and um, just starting off my trip, day two of the, the trip, when uh, obviously learn of, of uh, you know, some of our staff um, not being available and then um, getting asked to come up and support the club, support the players. To uh, I, mean, I think the whole idea is make sure that our players aren't are, – uh, going about their daily routines as if, uh, as if it's normal. I mean, it's it's always going to be different when you've got you know coaches like ours that are, are so diligent in their preparation and uh, care about every single detail to then um, you know, pass that off to somebody else for even a even a day. But they've uh, our staff's done a great job of preparing uh, me for yesterday and today and um, any of our staff that's come up. It's it's. Uh, it's not just about the information, it's, it's working with the coaches that work with these players to make sure that it's, it is it is seamless for them. And in this specific
2: instance, you're filling in for Sandy Alomar, who does a wonderful job as the first base coach. A, a lot of base dealers credit him with, with helping them be prepared. A, a little intimidating coming in here sometimes, or is it one of those things where they're there's a real good transition piece in place.
7: Yeah, well, I think it's, a, it's an opportunity for uh, for you know for me to learn from Sandy again and you know, understand his preparation for each day and what that information is and, and how that's going to be useful in game. How our players uh, like like to get it and um, you know specifically when we're when we're in the game, you know, allowing the players they've they've worked with Sandy so much they've learned from him over the years. That they get to put to some of those those things uh, into play for themselves and, and apply them, you know, with my help. But you know, Sandy's is one of the best in the game at working over there at first base. So it's can't really come in here and and be like that. You just want to make sure that the players have a good understanding of what we of what the plan is and what Sandy's plan was. You've carved
2: out a real nice niche in, in player development. Uh, and there's so much travel involved, where you go to different clubs, and you're a great resource for them. What's it like being in this position, back on a major league diamond, where you spent so much time in your playing career? I try
7: to look at it the same way. I mean, I'm a resource for the players, you know. Uh, that's that sounding board. Uh, as I get to know more players, and some of these players I know really well, so it's it's as if we're we're back, and it's just you know, another affiliate. You know, actually, some of the conversations are going to pick up where they left off. Some of the developmental. Processes that they've had and I've had over the years are going to come right back out. And as you get to know more players and understand them and uh, build relationships, those conversations, and you know, I, I think it's the same mindset. It's when you don't know a player very well, which there's a few of them on the team that I don't, it's spending time to get to know them. And uh, Johnny Mack, let's talk about your full time job, the,
2: the one when you're, you're not filling in here. Uh, gosh, it seems like there's so much optimism throughout the system. Of uh, some of the young talent there and I know it ebbs and flows from different periods of time and uh, how exciting is it to be out there right now as a part of this and seeing some of the young talent that's coming up?
7: Yeah, We've had um, a couple of years where it's been different in player development. We've had a year with no baseball and and last year was obviously different with um, getting back to to full season and this year we had a great spring training of just limitless amounts of, of work and um, attention to detail and, and work in, in all areas of our game the, the pitching group has done a tremendous job of um, expanding just just not just throwing the baseball but you know what do we do with the baseball before we throw it what do we do in it after we throw it when it comes back to us and the uh, the mental part of playing this game of preparation and in-game thinking uh, base running bunting so it's easy to work on hitting and, and throwing a baseball but the The details that happened over the course of spring training was a lot of fun to watch our players go through and our staff uh, teach more of that part of the game and then we're seeing that play out right now in season as our players are are having a really good time um, uh, playing competing you know we're almost uh, we're getting close to two months into the season so when we get to that point it's it's uh it's going to be good to to check to see where they're at uh, individually where our teams are at and as we prioritize individual development, but we also like to win games. And, and it looks like, gosh, you look at, at some of the, the statistics
2: on a daily basis and who's doing well and who's putting up some numbers, whether it be on the mound or or hitting-wise, and it's almost like there's too many players for spots, and, and I would imagine
7: that's a great problem to have. It, it is. I don't think you could ever say that we have too many players that are that are playing well, um, but it's, it's fun to watch the, their, their progress and watch guys continue to improve year after year. And that just, it, it shows you um, a little bit about what our staff is doing and helping them do that and not being, uh, just not being okay with where a players at. There's always room for improvement. And I've watched our staff continue those conversations at our lower levels and at AAA, where it's important that you continue to grow as a player and that we don't stop trying to help our players get better. And even here, right? It doesn't. It doesn't stop until your career's over. So you know, you should never feel like you're in a place where you can never get better.
2: Well, it's great to see you. Enjoy your time uh, as long as it lasts, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with you down the road. My pleasure, Rosie. Thanks. Always fun to visit with John McDonald as uh, he's been doing a nice job filling in as the first pace coach for this ball club. Looks good, though, for Sandy Alomar and Mike Sarbaugh, the two remaining coaches who have uh, been on that COVID list. Looks like they'll be returning real soon, perhaps as early as this weekend. Well, we invite you to stay with us. We'll have more to come after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network.
4: Progressive knows that most people don't get to experience making a game-winning touchdown or a walk-off home run, so we're going to talk to you like you did something great so you can bask in the glory. No way. Is it really you? You're the one who bundled their home, auto, RV, and other vehicles with Progressive, right? Hold on. Let me grab my friends. Hey, guys, check it out. It's the one who saved the money. If you can't bask in sports glory, at least you can bask in the glory of saving money when you bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. you uh-huh.
2: Ah, The unmistakable voice of George Thorogood, longtime rock and roller. And uh, he is still going strong, north of 70 years of age now. And uh, he'll be coming to Blossom Music Center on June the 16th. George Thorogood is uh, a good baseball fan, used to play back in the day when uh, he was in Wilmington, Delaware, just getting his career started. We'll talk to him about that in just a little bit. But when we had a chance to visit with him earlier this week, he asked him what keeps him going after all of these years torn
5: well the the uh, the, the level of uh, the world of uh, entertainment live entertainment has progressed so much uh, that it's almost it's it's almost irresistible um, to, to not go out and play uh, venues we played maybe 40 45 years ago had uh, more than something to be desired uh, nowadays the the PA systems are great. the The, room, the venues are, are top of the line. Um, you know, everything is improved. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, and, and and there's still a demand for what we do, uh, which is um, in some ways kind of kind of shocking to me uh, that we've uh, lasted this long by not. You know, look. I, I look at some, some people like McCartney and Dylan and the Who and the Stones. And they're still going strong, uh, very strong. Uh, and uh, and those those you know you know older than I am. They've they've been at it of course a long time. McCartney is that's you don't even bring him into the conversation. That's that's <laughs> that's that's a, a moot point. But everybody else. Um, so I look at it that way. I saw these people who were uh, and, and they're really delivering. I last time I I saw the, the Who and the Stones. They just the, the, the Who, especially, just you know, blew my brains out. It was unbelievable. I uh, also saw, um, and then of course McCartney and Tom Jones, who were always brilliant, and they're more than seasoned veterans. They're they're like immortals. So I figure, man, if those cats can still deliver, then uh, I, I shouldn't be hanging it up just yet.
2: Now I got to ask you: back in the day, you did a tour where you did 50 states in 50 days how did you do that and and what do you remember about that tour
5: i remember i had a really extremely bad head cold um i got it on the second date of it and i didn't shake it until uh well you can't really shake a cold when you're doing a thing like that what you need is uh you know plenty of rest and soup and liquids and tea and all that kind of thing but i i wasn't afford the luxury of that because i was performing uh so that that was that was kind of tough um as far as that 50 stays and 50 days, it's it's kind of overrated, really, about what we did. Because after all, Jim, it's only 50 stay 50 nights. I mean, BB King supposedly played 345 one-night stands uh, at one time back in the 50s, and uh, you know, Lou Gehrig played in 2,130 straight <laughs> baseball games. So, you know, I figure Hey, listen, man. If you can't get it up to play rock and roll every night, 50 nights in a row, you're in the, you're the, you're the wrong line of work. So, yeah, and a lot of those states were, are, are very close to each other. So, you know, the drives on the East Coast weren't that demanding. It wasn't. It, 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 it. people hear it, they go, "Wow!" They get shocked by that, and they go, "Hey, man, my mother and father went to work 50 days in a row, and they weren't even playing in a rock band."
2: We are joined by George Thorogood, uh, his band out on tour, and uh, they'll be coming to Blossom on June the 16th. You have a baseball background. You played semi-pro ball back in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, tell us about that. How, how serious were you about the game?
5: It was very semi and very little pro. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it wasn't all that. We just, um, you know, we we had always wanted to we, – we, we played pickup baseball, uh, in the summer, uh, a bunch of friends of mine, and uh, and then we saw went and saw some people playing a Roberto Clemente League, and we said, you know, it might be fun to join a league in in, in an adult league, amateur league. Uh, and lot, some of the people we saw playing in that league, we could play as good as they could. So we decided to form a team and just you know see how it worked out. Uh, you know, and we did. So uh, you know, I got that out of my system, and said, "Well, let's do it now." Be you know, before we get too old to be able to do something like this. Um, so, softball is fun. Baseball takes skill. My semi-pro career was very short, Jim. And and I know over
2: the years uh, you have been a, a baseball fan. Sometimes a little bit more than others. Uh, I gotta ask you if if you're at a ball game because we see it all the time. You hear the music between innings or. Or when something happens on the field, bad to the bone, will be played in ballparks all the time. Uh, have you been there when, when that's happened? And if so, how does that hit you as someone who performs that song at, at every concert you play?
5: It's never been played when I was there. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you got to understand. I don't live at I don't live at the ballparks. There's, you know, there's 30 major league teams, which means there's you know 30 ballparks. And 162 games of the year, so I would catch maybe one, one game a year, uh, someplace, uh, maybe two, and the odds are wrong at that time were very slim. Uh, you'd have to attend a lot of games, but I will thank my uh, my, my uh, blood brother uh, Bobby Costas, who got me into the World Series. Uh, Bobby Bonilla went to the plate, and he said. Bobby Medina walking to the plate to the strains of George Thurgood's Bad to the Bone. And uh, I said, well, thanks, Bob. You got me into the World Series in one shape or form.
2: That's not a bad deal right there. Hey, we'll leave it with this. Uh, you're coming up to uh, this area to play Blossom in uh, mid-June. And uh, you were saying before we started that uh, you've always enjoyed coming here. Uh, how come? What do you see in the venues here that, that makes it a fun place to visit?
5: Well, everything about it is unique. Um, you know every 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 venue I've played there, especially uh, Nautica and Blossom, um, Nautica and Taste of Cleveland, uh, they got a feeling of it's like a people's venue. Um, you know, well, you know, it's a very uh, a, a blue-collar, uh, classic rock-oriented uh, town. Not that they probably don't have opera or, or, or theatrical plays. I'm sure they do. Um, but when we play, it seems to be um, it seems to be a certain vibe there in, uh, in Taste of Cleveland and Nautica that seems uh, – it's like a combination of Thurgood and the and, and some of those Cleveland venues that seem to uh, gel very nicely.
2: Well, I'm sure it will again in June. Uh, George Thurgood, thanks so much for coming by and spending some time with us. I appreciate it.
5: Jim, Jim bring back Julio Franco. <laughs>
2: I think he's playing somewhere, so who knows? Maybe maybe there's a trade in the offing. That's
5: my man. I'm the the Julio Franco of rock and roll. That
2: was a lot of fun talking. Uh, Music and a little baseball there at the end from George Thorogood. Good memory in terms of Julio Franco and and where he's at in his career age-wise. And uh, George Thorogood with a good sense of humor and uh, a lot of fun to talk to. Glad he could stop by for a little bit to join us on the Guardians Weekly. And that's going to do it for this week's edition. Once again, if you're just tuning in, hoping to hear some baseball tonight, can't help you on that one. You'll have to wait till tomorrow. Wet weather in downtown Cleveland with uh, really some... uh, Bad stuff in the forecast in terms of harsh weather heading the way of uh, Progressive Field right in that 6 to 9 o'clock range. So uh, the Guardians and Tigers will make that up in July, and then they'll try again to complete what is now a two-game series Sunday afternoon with a 140 first pitch. Thanks to Brian Matze as always, for helping to put together our show each week. Until next week, when we join you from Detroit, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians radio network.
1: Now the set and the 1-1 to Rosario with Stroud second. And he grounds one toward first, right over the bag. It's a fair ball down into that same corner. Straw will score. Rosario hits second. Big turn, he puts the brakes on, slides back in safely. Back-to-back doubles, and the Guardians have a five-to-one lead in the eighth. And Ahmed Rosario with a pair of RBI hits tonight.
6: Down the alleyway,
5: i Little scream, you should have heard Say, Who do you love? The two strike pitch to Baez.
1: A swing and a miss. Ball game. Got him with a slider. Oh. So Cleveland has one of its best all around games. And in their first meeting against Detroit this year, continue their domination of the Tigers, winning 6 to 1. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.